continuing with part two of the uh, drasha that was given this past Shabbos in Paraduma, Parshas Chukas. So the uh, the sin of Gan Eden was this: that the zuhama, the poison of the sin, was absorbed by Adam and Chava, meaning they actually believed that they were defective because of the sin. The damage of an Avera is that the sinner starts believing that he and the Avera are one. Not just that I did, that I, a pure person, a holy person, an elevated person, did something wrong that's not defining of me, but I, what I did defines who I am. That's the poison that was inserted by the serpent into Adam and Chava. And therefore, um, it, uh, the, uh, the Yetzir Hara was absorbed inside. So, uh, when the Torah is given, B'nai Yisrael were able to see themselves differently. They were able for at least a moment to realize that they themselves are designed to reflect the Torah and they are not at all damaged goods, even if they do something wrong. But then they went and sinned with the golden calf, which then restored them to the state of affairs after the sin of Eitzadas, and now they started again believing the damage actually defined them. So therefore, death is exactly that. Death is that which occurs to someone who thinks that they are a physical entity in, uh, in the main. Somebody who orients him or herself, uh, or humanity, that orients itself to physical living as the defining aspect of their life, they, that's what death is. Death is the end, because the physical end comes. And if that's the primary orientation to life, so death is final, it's over. Whereas, of course, somebody who lives for the eternal, somebody who understands that their neshama itself is connected to the eternal, somebody who understands that there's eternal relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu that goes beyond this world, and that's the main point of our existence, that person never really dies. That's why the Gemara says that tzaddikim v'misasen kuriyan chayim, the righteous in their death are considered to be a living, and rishayim v'chayeyan kuriyamesim, and the evil people are considered to be dead even when they're alive because they have no future, because they're not living for eternity, they're not living to connect to eternity, and they've given up on that. So the uh, sin of the golden calf was just that. It was the re-belief, the, re- the return to the belief that they are doomed and that they are subject to death. The uh, para aduma is the escape from death. The para aduma is the atonement for that damage. The para aduma says that you don't understand. Um, a person becomes tame uh, when they're in touch with the dead because they have that relationship with death that makes them believe that it's over. On the other hand, a person can actually. Uh, the person administering the purity to this person becomes Tameh, and the person himself becomes Tahar. So uh, the point is that there are different ways of understanding death, and that's exactly the point of the Para Aduma. Now, we have to appreciate one other very important aspect of this whole thing, which is the first Rashi in Parshas Chukas says that the statute of Para Aduma is meant to respond 
to a major problem that the nations of the world afflict Israel with, or the Yetzirah afflicts Israel with. Mon in Israel means afflict, which means the nations of the world or the Yetzirah bother us by saying, this law makes no sense. Matam Yeshba, what reason could there be here? And we answer, it's a chukah, it's a decree, we have no permission to ponder it. How in the world are we responding? If indeed their question bothers us, and it seems that it does because the term is the nations of the world afflict Israel with this question, and so if that question bothers us, our answer doesn't seem to give us any solace because our answer is, it has no reason, we just do it. So we're saying to them, you're right, um, there really makes no sense to do something that makes no sense, but we do it anyway because of, because of faith. So What's our response? If the question doesn't it doesn't bother us, we don't need a response. And if the question bothers us, our response just restates the question. doesn't help. doesn't advance the argument. So uh, I make the following point, and this is really a delicate point that I think some people have difficulty with. What is the ultimate difference between a mitzvah that has a reason and a mitzvah that doesn't have a reason? So there's the what I call the religious difference, which I don't mean in any way to denigrate or minimize. It's very important, and it's authentically religious, which is when I serve God without knowing why, because God said so, that is a much higher level of service than serving God because I think it makes sense. Obviously, the more religious and devoted and committed person is going to say that my human intellect is limited, God is superior, God is my creator, God has unlimited knowledge, and therefore whatever God says, I do because he's my creator and I am his servant. And that's 100% true and accurate that that's a distinction between a mitzvah for which there is a reason and a mitzvah for which there is no reason. However, there's a more significant distinction than that. And that is that a a mitzvah for which there is no for which there is a reason the source of my action is the reason the reason is my motivation a mitzvah for which there is no reason then i am the source of my action even if the reason i do a mitzvah is because god said so that is a reason it's a good reason because if you really get who God is, that he's your creator, that he's the master of the universe, that he's all-knowing, that he has no lack of knowledge, that he has unlimited wisdom, that you are limited. So, of course, it makes a lot of sense to do what God says, even if you don't understand why he said to do it. Just like his uh, commander in the army has a right to expect everybody to follow what he says because they assume he has more intelligence, more facts, more insight, more broader view, and he's been through battle before, and they're going to surrender to his will. They're not going to question his commands. So uh, that's a reason. Serving God for no reason, is, because God is God, is a reason, which still means it makes sense to me to do this, which means I am still not at the source of what I'm doing. The reason is at the source, and therefore I am at the effect of the reason. Whereas the ultimate servant a servant is someone who brings himself to serve God, not for a reason, but because I am a servant of God. Because that's all I am. That's what I'm here for. That's what defines me. The word chok means engraved. The reason we call a mitzvah without a reason a chok is because 
It's a mitzvah that defines who we are. It's engraved in us. It's not writing on top of us. It's not like the uh, soiling of the palace floor uh, where it's something on top of the palace floor. It's not writing. It's not a cause uh, uh, beyond us. It's who we are. The Jewish people is created to reflect the will of God. The reason we do it is not because we think we should. It's because that's who we are. That's the point of the Para Aduma. I am going to give you as an atonement, as a way of fixing and repairing and cleansing you from the optical illusion that you have, that you are a sinful being, a sinful people. I'm going to give you the Para Aduma, which says that uh, it's a chok, which means that you are, I'm going to give you an opportunity to recognize who you are by serving me, because that's all you are is a reflection of my will in this world. That's what the Para Aduma is designed to do. So with all of this, we now understand that Para Aduma is indeed designed specifically to be a chok for the purpose of giving us the ability to discover ourselves as servants of God who serve him like a mirror reflects uh, uh, a person. The mirror doesn't decide that it makes sense to reflect the person. That's who the mirror, that's what the mirror is. And that's what the Jewish people is. We have the illusion that we are independent people who choose. Uh, but even choosing to serve God for a reason that God is superior or, or he's my master, that is not the highest level. The highest level is that we are in our essence a reflection of the divine will, and that's what we try to do all the time. We refuse to believe that we are anything else. The golden calf was that damaged view that we are actually independent creatures who soil ourselves and we are uh, sinful, and we have to and we have to somehow repair who we are. So that's the whole relation, the whole relationship between the golden calf and uh, the paraduma. That's why paraduma is in a category all its own. That's why it's a kapara. It actually cleanses, wipes away the superficial soiling of an avera. And, uh, and that's the goal of paraduma. And that's our relationship with death. Death is nothing other than an optical illusion that afflicts those who think that we are primarily physical people. And therefore we have tuma, uh, def- defilement and distance. But the fact is that we are not subject to death, really. We could actually escape death if we understood who we really were.